If you have your Bibles, you can uh, turn to Matthew 6. We're continuing in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We'll be starting in verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Uh, In a recent survey, 39% of uh, the respondents said that they are more anxious today than they, they were just one year ago, which really comes as no surprise Uh, during this pandemic. But even before the pandemic, um, anxiety uh, has reportedly been on the rise for many, many years. In 2018, Barnes & Noble uh, noticed that uh, over one year, uh, they had a 25% increase in sales in in books that had to do with the the subject of anxiety. Um, I used to be a, a mental health counselor, and I was not prepared uh, for the, the number of clients that I would work with uh, around anxiety issues. I, I just didn't quite imagine. I, wasn't, I didn't understand how many people at that time were dealing with anxiety. And when we, uh, when we hear the word anxiety or when we read in Scripture about anxiety, this is a, a word that carries different weight Uh, for different people. I recognize that uh, some of us may hear anxiety and you think, okay, yeah, that's like when I'm about to take a test Um, or or if I asked you to come up here maybe and and share about something that you'd feel anxious about sharing. You get sweaty palms, your heart would beat faster, your mouth would be dry. Uh, For others, uh, anxiety is, is not just a once-in-a-while thing. Anxiety is a, is a regular thing, and it can be debilitating. Maybe you've had panic attacks that come on seemingly out of nowhere, and it, and it just feels like there's this unbearable weight that is nearly crushing you. Uh, I know many brothers and sisters in Christ that, uh, that have uh, an anxiety diagnosis, right? And, and uh, some of them are, are taking medications. They're working with a therapist, and it's it is helpful for them. Um, and, and if that's you, I, I know that uh, people that don't uh, deal with anxiety like you do, we don't get it. 
we, we, we don't quite understand. And, and I'm sure that I, as well as other brothers and sisters in Christ with the best of intentions, have, have come to you trying to encourage you, exhort you, and, and maybe said some things um, that aren't helpful to you. And so I wonder what it's like for you if, if, if anxiety is, uh, is, is like that. Um, I wonder what it's like to read Jesus' words here, knowing that Jesus is, is obviously right in what he is saying. But in hearing him say, do not be anxious, I wonder if that sounds like don't breathe oxygen to you. Like if that just sounds so impossible to you. And if that's you, and whether you have a diagnosis or not, the question is, will you trust Jesus with that? Just like any other brother or sister in Christ, they have to trust Jesus with whatever diagnosis they have. Will you trust Jesus with this? Will you put your trust in God in this? As Jesus instructs us to not be anxious like the world is about all these things in life that, that our good God provides, but instead to seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and to trust him for, for absolutely everything that we need. Our truth statement is Jesus teaches us not to be anxious about the things we need, but to prioritize God's kingdom and righteousness and trust him to provide. Right, we're not to be anxious about all these things in life that we need, but, but we're to prioritize his kingdom and his righteousness and trust that he will provide. So verse 25, he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about the body, what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. So there's a direct connection with our passage this week to last week, right? Today's verse starts off, therefore. And anytime in the Bible you read the word therefore, you have to ask, what is the therefore there for, right? There's a direct connection that we, we cannot miss. So he's just laid out these choices for us. You might remember from last week. Right? Are, are we pursuing earthly treasures right, that, that will be destroyed, that, that will, will, will fade away, or, or heavenly treasures that, that are secure, that will last for eternity? He talks about the healthy eye and the bad eye. The healthy eye lets in, it lets in light. It's full of goodness. The, the bad eye or the evil eye is filled with darkness. And then, and then he holds up the choices of two masters. Will, will your master be God? Or will your master, what you serve, be, be money and, and, and possessions, things? Well, if you've chosen heavenly treasures, if you've chosen this, this, this good eye, if you've chosen for God to be your master, then Jesus commands you, don't be anxious about your life. And, and as we'll get to in verse 33, he says, seek first the kingdom, seek first his righteousness, and all these things will be added because when we've chosen Jesus, when we've rejected the world, we don't need to be anxious about the things of this world, about the things that we need in life. And I, and I mean legitimate needs. Right? This passage talks about some basic necessities in life. We have to have food. Right? We cannot live very long without water. We need clothing. And Jesus can say to you, as a part of God's kingdom, he, he can say, don't be anxious. Right? He, he's good. Right? We can trust in him, and we're freed up to trust in him and, and not worry about these things, not wasting time worrying about this stuff. 
but instead we're, we're freed up for our minds and our hearts to be on God's kingdom and his righteousness. So Jesus begins here with the greater and, and moves to the lesser. He begins, he starts with life. He says, don't be anxious about your life, right? Don't be overly concerned. Don't fret over your life. Well, Jesus, who are you to say that? Well, he's the author of life. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, the Bible's claim is really clear, and it's what we believe here is that Jesus is the creator of all things. He's the one who gives you breath. He's the one that's making your heart beat right now. Colossians 1 tells us that he is sustaining all things in the universe right now. He knows what you need. He knows what you need so much better than you know what you need. Earlier in the chapter when he was talking about prayer, he reminds us that our Heavenly Father knows what we need even before we ask. For the Christian, we know that he gives us this physical life, but, but not just that. It's, it's life eternal that he gives us, and it came at the cost of his life. Jesus took the place of sinners, laying down his life for us. We remember that this week, Good Friday. We're, we're going to celebrate Jesus laying down his life for ours. And if he was willing to pay that cost, don't you think that you can trust him for the day-to-day stuff that we need? God is trustworthy, and because he is, we have no reason to be anxious. It doesn't make sense for us to be anxious. So he starts with the greater, don't be anxious about your life that I've given you. And then he moves to the lesser, right? What, what you'll eat what you'll drink. If, if, we, uh, if we aren't anxious about our life, then why would we, we be anxious about these lesser things? If we're in God's hands, the one who is, who's got us, who's given us his son to redeem us, then why do we sweat the little things like we all do? Now, one question in this passage that maybe you're asking yourself is, okay, so does this mean anxiety is a sin? Yes, and, and hear this. Every one of us sins in this way against God. Every one of us sins by not trusting in the Lord. Every one of us struggles with not trusting God, right? Either, either we trust in other things that aren't worthy of our trust, and, and, and if, when we're trusting something that, that's not worthy of our trust, we should be anxious. Like, that actually makes sense. Or, or we're anxious because we, we want to control because what we really trust is, our, is ourselves. And if you haven't figured this out, you're not worthy of trusting. Only God is worthy of putting your trust in. God is worthy and therefore we're not to be anxious because he has us. And he has us even when life is really hard. Right? And life is hard. Right? Maybe right now it's not hard for you, but, but life is hard. Like I look around this room and I know a lot of hard stories that have happened. Even when life is hard, we can trust in God. When we face scary circumstances, we can put our trust in God, the only one who is trustworthy. I don't know if you remember back in First Peter, Peter in uh, I think it's chapter three, he's talking to, to godly women. And he says, I don't want you to be fear, I don't want you to be afraid of things that are even fearful, right? There are fearful things in this life, but in God, we do not have to be afraid. Psalm 56, 3. David, he writes, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. And, and, and I've had this psalm, this verse, like on repeat this whole year, 
I can't count the number of times that I prayed this psalm, and sometimes it's just over and over again when I'm stressed out, when I'm afraid. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you because he's worthy of trusting. Is what you treasure worthy of trusting in? If so, if it's God, then there is no reason to worry. But if the answer is no, or I don't know, then you are bound to worry. Verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they're not gathering into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And, and similar to last week's passage, Jesus here, he's not saying, hey, don't, don't work hard and have a savings account, right? Don't, uh, don't save up for, for tough times. No, there's wisdom in that, but our hope and our trust needs to be in God, not in the things that we can accumulate, even in things that we need to live. So he says, look up, see the birds of the air. They're not, they're not tilling the soil. They're not planting crops. They're not watering and waiting for months and harvesting and then, and then gathering it all up and storing the food in a barn. No, God just takes care of them. Right? His, his point is so simple and direct. He says, are you more valuable than they are? Yes, yes, you are. God loves you, right? I hope, I hope that you know that, that God loves you, right? If he's gonna make sure this bird gets fed, right? And I've never, I was thinking about this, I've never looked at, at like a hawk or a blue jay and thought, man, that bird looks so malnourished. Like never once. Like God takes care of them. If he's going to do that, how much more can we trust that God will give you what you need to live? You're of much more value to God than the birds. Yeah, you gotta love verse 27. He, he says, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? You can't. Anxiety only subtracts from life. It never adds. We think it's going to help, but you, you never get that time back that you spent worrying. And we've all done it, right? We, we blow something up in our minds, and, and we think that it's just going to be this, this big, horrible mess. It, for me, I think the most common thing I do this with is probably a, a hard conversation that I just know I have to have with someone. Um, and, and so I'll, I'll, I'll know the conversation's coming on like Thursday and, and I start gearing up for it, like, I don't know, at least by Monday. And I'm, I'm walking down every twist and turn that I can imagine this conversation taking. And, and I rehearse not only my side of the conversation, I rehearse their side of the conversation. I can obsess and then the conversation comes and even if it's hard, it's almost never as bad as I thought it was going to be. And I just realized, man, I just wasted hours, hours obsessing over this thing. I was so overly concerned. Jesus is right. We can't add even a single hour to our life by worrying. And in fact, we've known for many, many years the impact that anxiety has on our bodies. It, there's physical harm that's done when we are overly anxious. Uh, anxiety can impact your cardiovascular system. Prolonged anxiety can cause rapid heart rate, heart palpitations, uh, chest pain. Uh, you may also be at an increased risk of high blood pressure and heart disease. If you already have heart disease, anxiety disorders may raise the risk of coronary events. Anxiety affects your digestive system. Right? You may have stomach aches, nausea, grosser things that I won't get into. Uh, anxiety can weaken your immune system. 
leaving you vulnerable to infections and frequent illness. Anxiety can make asthma worse. It can give headaches, muscle tension, lead to insomnia, depression, social isolation. The list just goes on and on and on. So not only do you not add to your life, but you're subtracting from your life. I heard someone say that worrying is like praying for what we don't want. And I think that's so true. And just, just imagine like, if, if that's how we lived all the time. We'd spend so much time consumed with what we don't want to happen. And I wonder if that's exactly what, what it's like for you at times. If, if you're just constantly concerned with what you don't want to happen and it's eating up your time and your resources. Anxiety serves as a warning that we are not resting and trusting in who God is. And Paul's answer to fight anxiety in Philippians 4 is with prayer, right? We, we run straight to the one that we're supposed to trust. He says this in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And, and thanksgiving, I, I think is, it's so key that we're thankful. I think that's a key way to fight anxiety because I think a lot of times we have anxiety as Christians when we forget who God is and what he's done. And we just look at Israel, right? Like God parts the Red Sea for them, saves them from the Egyptians. And then not that long later, they're complaining. They're like, where are we going to get food? And dreaming that they could go back to Egypt where the, I think they said where, where there was watermelon and all this good stuff. And they, they, they make slavery sound good to them. And, and then God provides for them. And, and then right after that, it's like, wow, where are we going to get water? We're, we're so quick to forget. Right? Are we thankful? Do, do, we, do we consistently thank God for what he's provided? Verse 7 goes on. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ, right? And that's where this, this battle is. It's in, in our hearts. Will we trust God? It's in our minds. Do we really trust the Lord? And, and Paul talks about this peace of God, right? And I hope that you know that. Uh, if you're a believer, I trust that you've experienced the peace of God when, when it makes no sense, when it surpasses all understanding. You shouldn't have peace in this moment. And yet you run to God and he gives you what you need. And you know that even if things are actually horrible, you're going to be fine because you're in God's hands. It says here that, um, that this peace of God will guard your hearts. And the, the image here is that God sends like this, this garrison, this, this army, right? Armed and ready to protect you, right? That's, that's what he's going to guard your hearts and minds with in Christ Jesus. Verse 28. Uh, of chapter six in Matthew. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? All right, so if the bird example didn't convince you, Jesus goes on to something even less than birds, right? This, this grass, the field, these, these, these wild plants growing, right? They're, they're, they're going to be gone before you know it, and yet God clothes them. 
Certainly he will clothe you. Now we certainly live differently than the people that were listening to Jesus on the mount deliver this sermon. Uh, They didn't have closets full of clothes. They they certainly didn't have walk-in closets full of clothing like uh, like many of us do. If you're like me, you go through your closet from time to time, it seems to be about once a year for me, and realize... I haven't touched that shirt in a long, long time. Like, I need to go donate that. And I say it like it's just one shirt. It's actually like a box of shirts. Um, I literally, yesterday, I discovered a shirt in my closet. I'm like, how long have I had this? I don't even know. Um, anyway, my point is, they weren't living like we are, right? They, they had like a change of clothes. And Jesus said, hey, you can trust in God, even just with that. And we have so much more if we look at clothing than they do. We can trust in God. And then notice here, he says, oh, you of little faith. And that's what the issue is here. When we worry, we aren't trusting God. We aren't putting our faith in him. We aren't resting in him, in who he is and what he has done. And many times in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about God the Father as our heavenly father, right? We can trust our heavenly Father, and I know, um, I know everyone here hasn't had uh, a good earthly dad necessarily, but um, I'm sure that you've at least seen uh, dads that want the best for their kids. And when you're a kid, when you're little, man, mom and dad, like you, you just you trust them. Right? When you get hurt or scared or sad, you can run to mom or dad and, and they will just hold you and, and somehow make it better, right? Because you know that, that, that they've got you. Our youngest, um, she doesn't really do this as much anymore, but when she was littler, um, she'd have something happen. And man, she's a crier. I mean, she, she wails and tears just flowing. So something would happen, and she would come to Lindsay or myself, and she'd just cry and hold her arms up. She'd want us to hold her, and, and, and I'd hold her, and pretty soon I could tell, like, oh, okay, I know what's about to happen. And, and she's going to cry for a few minutes, and then she's just going to conk out, like just be passed out in my arms. She, she needed me to hold her so that she could, could just rest. And when we're... When we're anxious, we aren't resting in God, our good Father. Do you know that you can run to God with absolutely everything, and he wants you to? Verse 31, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And the Gentiles, meaning um, those who are not in God's kingdom, right? These are the pagans. They're worried about food. They're worried about drink. They're worried about clothing. Their trust is not in God. And what other outcome can there be for someone who is dependent on themselves or on something other than God to make it in this world? And Jesus, he's telling us that the opposite is true for people in his kingdom. They trust in God. They're not worried. Why? Because they know that that God knows exactly what we need and that God will provide for us. But what about when God doesn't provide what we need? We know that there are 
Christians who have starved to death. There, there are Christians today, I'm sure, that, that will starve to death in, in a third world country somewhere. We know that horrible things still happen to God's people. I think it's good for us to remember Jesus in the garden. All right, before, uh, before he was arrested, before he was crucified. We see a, a picture there of, of Jesus. He, he knows human frailty. He walked in human skin and he had to trust in the Father and he was praying to the Father. Right? He's praying for provision. He was, he was praying for deliverance from this cup. And, and then he prays this, he says, but not my will, but your will be done. He submits to God's will, right? He trusts that even in what will result in his painful death, that what God has, what God is doing is good. And so too, we can trust. Even when it looks like God isn't providing what we need necessarily, we can trust. Even when God throws something into our lives that's just horrible, we can trust that God will do good, that God is doing good, that God himself is at work. Verse 33, he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And if you're like me and, and the disciples, uh, there are times when you hear Jesus' words and you just want them to like restate it a little more clearly. This isn't one of those times. He's really, really clear here. Right? In, instead of wasting time worrying about life, and stuff and sustenance, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? And this is in contrast to the, to the verse prior with uh, the Gentiles who are, who are worried about all the things of this life. Instead, God's people simply seek his kingdom and his righteousness, right? We can be freed from worrying about the, the little things and even, even things that, that feel really big. We, we can be freed from those to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, right? And seeking his kingdom, which I don't know if we've said this in a while, God's, God's kingdom, when we talk about God's kingdom, it's, it's his rule and his reign. So seeking God's kingdom is not a passive activity that, that we just like sit around and, and wait for. No, we're actively uh, seeking his kingdom. So we really can't afford to waste time worrying about stuff that God's going to provide. So are we seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness. And I think those, those are questions that we can filter really everything in life through. Is this seeking God's kingdom? Is this seeking his righteousness? Right? In my thought life, am I seeking God in this? Or how about the way I spend money or think about money or work to earn money? Am I seeking his kingdom and his righteousness in this? The words I use in public and at home, am I seeking his kingdom in in relationships, we seeking his kingdom. Where you live, are you seeking his kingdom and his righteousness? Students, many of you are back in school. Are you seeking his kingdom in school? Or at work, are we seeking his kingdom? Or, or in downtime, are we seeking his kingdom? Or how about over topics that you have really strong opinions over? And I'll just randomly pick three. Let's say politics, pandemic, social issues. <laughs> um, are you actively seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness in this? Because sometimes when we get hyped up and passionate, 
we're really good at justifying not seeking his kingdom, not caring about his right, not caring about righteousness, not caring about God's glory. There's a lot to seek his kingdom. Like I just made a short list there. Right? When we're freed from worrying, we can actively seek his kingdom. But I'm afraid that, that too often as Christians, we're just passive in seeking God's rule and reign in our lives and in this world. It's almost like, oh yeah, if that happens, great, but I got stuff to do. Are we actively seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness, trusting that he's gonna add everything that we need in life? Verse 34, he says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Uh, someone said that anxiety is like putting a down payment on a problem you don't have. It's, uh, it's good to be prepared. I was a uh, Boy Scout. Um, I, I believe the Boy Scout motto back then was be prepared. I don't know if it still is now. And uh, my troop took that really, really seriously when we went backpacking, okay? Um, backpacking today, if you've looked, if you've been to like REI and see backpacks, they're like really sleek and, and slim now. Back in the day, we packed everything. And especially as Boy Scouts, we were just taught, you need to be ready for everything. It was ridiculous. Like we weren't going to face a tsunami on the mountain we were on, um, but we were ready for everything. Um, and we were, our packs were huge and heavy and we moved slow and needed a ton of breaks. Um, I went backpacking, uh, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago with some friends uh, from uh, my old church. And the guy organizing the trip challenged us all. He was very upfront. Uh, he challenged us to pack really just what we needed, like to pack as little as we could. And he sent us all this, uh, this book on, uh, on ultralight backpacking. And I don't know, I, it was like this challenge. It was exciting to me. I broke out my food scale and I was like choosing shirts. I'm not joking. I was choosing shirts based on ounces. Like it was super fun for me. Um, and, and it's the lightest I've ever packed. And, and this, this trail was probably the hardest backpacking trail I'd ever done. And yet I'm just like moving around like a gazelle. I felt so good up there. Um, being prepared is a good, good thing, but we can go too far with that. And, and sometimes I think we excuse anxiety under the guise of being prepared. I, I just, I need to be ready for this. Jesus says, let tomorrow worry about itself. Today has enough to deal with. Man, life is hard. It's always been hard. This year has been, it's been hard. And I know life isn't always hard. Um, and, and so many things we've dealt with this year even, it's like, man, what are we complaining for? Like we have so many good things. And yet, even, even if you still have your job, even if you're healthy, even if you know, a lot of things are going well, like it, it's just a grind. Life is hard. There's enough, there's enough each day. You don't need to worry about the next day. Jesus says, let tomorrow be worried about itself. Rest in the one who has given you this day. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are worthy of our trust. God, that it makes sense for us to trust in you. And it doesn't make sense for us to trust in anything else. And I know so many of us 
ultimately what we try to put our trust in is ourselves. I know, like we're, there's a lot of capable people in this room, but, but eventually we'll let ourselves down. Lord, we're, we're not worthy of trust. Nothing in this world is worthy of trust but you, Jesus. I pray that we would trust you. I pray that we would trust you for, for all the things, the little, the, the big, everything in between in life so that we can be freed up to live as your people, to, to seek your, your rule and your reign in our lives and in this world, Lord, that, that we would seek to live righteous lives that point to how great you are, Jesus. Lord, we cannot do that on our own. On our own, we need you. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen.